HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. With more than 30 weekly podcasts, HRN has something for every food lover. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. Today's program is brought to you by Corin, a supplier of Japanese chef knives and restaurant supplies. For more information, visit Corin.com. This episode is brought to you by 818 Tequila, delicious and smooth tequila, meaning harmony with the earth. 818 Tequila, imported by 818 Spirits, Manhasset, New York. 40% alcohol by volume, drink responsibly. Hello, welcome to Japanese. I'm your host, Aki Kotema, food writer and the director of the New York Japanese Culinary Academy, which promotes a deep understanding of Japanese cuisine in America. We are broadcasting live from Brooklyn, New York. This show is all about Japanese food and food culture. We see sushi at every day on the supermarket, but what is beyond the sushi? We hear dashi, ramen, and izakaya, but what exactly are they? Japanese food is still a mystery for many people, and I try to demystify it in this program with my cool guests. My guest today is Andy Natsuda, the founder and master sushi chef of Sushi Chef Institute in Los Angeles, California. And traditionally, sushi making was something not to be taught, but what we you patiently learn by watching your master for years and years. But Andy's work experience in the U.S. and deep understanding of the global sushi market led him to open a sushi school in 2002. Since then, many successful graduates have been offering sushi to the world and increasing its popularity even further. So today we'll discuss why Andy became a master sushi chef himself, why he decided to open a sushi school in the U.S., a life-changing event that triggered his decision to do so, why sushi chef institute, uh, what sushi chef institutes provides to students, and episodes of successful graduates, and much, much more. But before you start, Japanese is available on the Heritage Radio Network website, as well as on iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify as a podcast. So please go to iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, whichever you listen to, and subscribe to Japanese. And please write a review. We really appreciate your feedback. Now, let's start a conversation with Andy Matsuda. Hello, Andy. Welcome to the show. Hi, how are you? Thank you so much for inviting me. Uh, I'm Andy Matsuda. I'm an Associate Chef Institute uh, CEO. Thank you. Right. So uh, I've been really looking forward to this because uh, it's such a big uh, topic. Uh, who's going to make sushi for you? So we'll discuss all about it today. So first of all, um, to get to know you, where are you from? 
And what did you eat when you grew up? I come from Kobe and Japan. And um, I grew up with a uh, small my family a restaurant uh, to grow. So uh, that's about me. Um, I grew up with a restaurant business. So、mm. I know all about the restaurant, what a Japanese restaurant.、Mm. Right, so you grew up eating the restaurant's cuisine, sounds like. Part <laughs> <laughs> <Right> . of it. <laughs> right, and then how did you get into the sushi business?、Uh, business wise,、uh, because、uh, after the high school,、um, I was in,、uh, went to a famous Japanese restaurant, that's up to the sushi bar in Osaka. So,、uh, but、uh, I have been already. Taught my family. So I'm、uh, interested to be in a fish and learning Japanese cooking. So I'm happy to be a sudden to traditional Japanese restaurant. Since that, so this is all the way to my life is everything in a sushi business.、Mm, right, interesting. So,、um, so where did you work before you moved to America? Uh, yes, so after the,、uh, high school, I went to the Osaka and、uh, the few places,、uh, two years, two years, two years,、uh, Master Chef following. There's a top niche, a famous chef in Osaka, which I'm happy to do. And then, becoming 23, I'm back in my hometown.、Uh, my parents and my brother had a restaurant. We worked together to build a larger、uh, 250 capacity restaurant.、Uh, we、uh, started to that bigger restaurant, then two years in taking care,、mm. and then left it to the US. Wow, but that's giant 250 seats. Wow, <laughs> that's impressive. Okay, and、uh, so, so now you, you moved to、uh, LA in 1982. Uh, so, why did you decide to move to the States and why LA? Yes, it's、uh, actually 1981 and Oris is coming to the US. Okay. This is actually the second time. I was in、uh, 1977, a backpacker、uh, right after the high school.、Uh, no, I was in 20. So, I was a backpacker to traveling to all over the world、uh, US, Canada. France, Germany, Luxembourg,、uh, Switzerland,、uh, all the way to Europe.、Uh, then the best country and about the sushi industry was Los Angeles was best.、Mm. So I see the world and、uh, I was in 20 and I make a decision and the US and Los Angeles is the best、uh, sushi industry and moving pretty forward. So I make a decision to I'll be back when I was in 25.、Mm, right. So I'm sure your parents are not happy about your move, but、um, I'm glad you, you came to the States. All right. So,、um, so after you moved to LA, where did you work and what did you learn from the experience? Um, moved to LA, I have nothing because I came to LA and 
just coming to the just one knife to come over. So uh, I left everything to uh, Japan. So I come here with my single knife with big dream. <laughs> and I come nothing. So I have to know everything about the U.S., about languages, about the system, about how it works. Because a very different giant country is so different. So it's everything I need to know about experience for. I applied to the green card. It takes about a three and a half year to be, but uh, you know, labor is cheap, but uh, work for, for learning everything. I'm okay for that. Because I try to be here to be number one and a chef to be here. And this is challenges. Right. Well, but it's, it's in, you said in a couple of sentences, but it must be really hard. Just uh, <laughs> one chopped Japanese knife. So um, you, it sounds like um, what I heard is that your first job was in Little Tokyo as an assistant. And then within a week, you were promoted to chief sushi chef. So you really had skills already. Um, and then you also worked uh, for big hotel group, right? So right. right. So what did you learn from those different experiences? Well, I moved to Japanese culture of a Japanese restaurant to this giant American uh, system because you have to have languages and uh, you have to have a timely manners. Uh, you have to dealing with non-Japanese people. Most of the time the customers are non-Japanese. So you have to be a uh, big challenge for me to non-American people are customers. Mm -hmm. So some people know about the sushi, some people don't have no idea. Uh, people come to one lady is coming to me. We serving as I serving a sushi tuna, and she she comes to me. Wow, tuna is red. Then then Wow. <laughs> okay. Um, so um, yeah, then you also worked at uh, in Santa Monica, Aspen, and New York as well. Is that correct? Right. Uh, so mainly I uh, worked with Santa Monica for almost four years. Then and I got a green card. So, uh, but in New York, Aspen, Colorado, and those one is a part-time. It's only about a few months to be work. Uh, most of the time, hotels and, and uh, busy things and work, uh, not a long terms. Mm -hmm. Right, but at least did you see different um, kind of sushi culture in each city? Uh, slightly, but still uh, Los Angeles is more top the, Business-wise and the businesses are much higher uh, than any other city-wise. Mm. Right. I'm thinking of, uh, you know, the Nobu Masaisa's sushi made sushi popular. And uh, I heard Hollywood stars first uh, started that popularity and sushi became something fashionable, healthy, and everybody should eat it. And also, not to mention, it's... Um, you know, the facing Pacific Ocean. So I think uh, LA really is an important city for the sushi culture in this whole country, um, or maybe to the world too. So, 
Okay, and then I heard that in 1993, 11 years after you moved to the U.S., you had a life-changing event. So what happened? Um, because I work in a hotels uh, five days for 40 hours later, you know, hotels. And I do started to work in a weekend for uh, some of the restaurants, Japanese restaurants for extra money. And I taking up the Santa Monica College, for I did it for about uh, eight years for the night class for my education. And then I did the trading to the Japan for uh, exporting some of our work. So I did a full job and um, every day working. So too much work, too much stress. And then I had the cancer. Mm. So uh, this that uh, happened is uh, doctor said that the possibility to able to fix it, uh, you will maintain. So, but you have to be careful. So I have to take two years to maintain myself and recover in the happen once. So that's the have a bigger challenges and bigger no work, no money, uh, the pay the bills and I have a family in here. So it's a very hard time. Mm, right. So what's your biggest lesson from the experience? Uh, the thing is after the two years, uh, think about what I can do because no money. It's only things I have is uh, skills and knowledge I have. That's uh, at the same time, I'm living still here in LA. That's uh, US uh, insurance cover and uh, doctors and they'll be here. So I'd like to be returning back to them is what I can do, my knowledge and experience for whatever people need it. Mm. That's a uh, gift back to the US commune. Right, wow. I'm sure uh, it's, it's not the right thing to say probably, but I'm sure your cancer has benefited a lot of people because we have so many great students that we're going to talk about later. So yeah, so um, so that's 2002, you started uh, your school. And um, so, okay. And Well, this here is the thing. So traditionally, like I said earlier at the beginning, uh, social making was something not to be taught. Um, but what do you, um, you know, something you just look up your master every day for years and years, not asking questions, just learning by watching. And so what do you think about that idea, uh, which kind of regards sushi schools as the fast track? So what do you think about that? Starting in 2002, my school and two months program, uh, all Japanese uh, communities and the chef and the hate me what I'm doing it because uh, impossible. And the sushi chef takes in a five year, a 10 year to then become. However, my thinking was a different way as a regular people because you can see the, that 2000, At the beginning of 2000, restaurants opened maybe five or six restaurants everywhere in the U.S. But on the other hand, a chef educating and be a good chef takes about five years. 
So demand and supply is a big differences. So I'm thinking at that point, we need a chef everywhere. So who teaching? No one teaching. Um, so something I can do and educate people to help them, uh, owners, a restaurant, and a chef side. So I can help them and bridge the both side. Right. That's what I can do. Mm, right. So um, a while ago, like a decade ago, I think, uh, Japanese government was became notorious for advocating um, kind of controlling uh, sushi restaurants abroad, and they are called sushi police. And I think they scrapped yeah. the program. And like uh, before we answer this, so you raised the number. According to Jetro, there are 14... 140,000, no, 146,000 sushi restaurants globally, and 98% of them are owned by non-Japanese people, and which is great because of celebration of sushi culture. But um, if you don't um, educate people properly, sushi is not going to become sushi anymore. So what are you doing? Um, is this so important? And we need more schools like yours. Otherwise... What is sushi, right? Because it's such a very specific uh, culture based on tradition. You have to learn properly. Otherwise, you miss the point. The sushi doesn't taste great as it is, and it's not as precious as an experience as you can experience in Japan or some great sushi restaurants abroad. So, yeah, I really admire what you do. Right. Uh, people are... Even the Japanese people going there in many places see the chef as a non-Japanese. Oh, this is going to disappoint it. I can't eat that sushi in here too. So many people are coming that way. And uh, people coming from Japan, oh, this is not sushi. But all culture of the sushi industry is growing. But how many people are supporting them to grow? I don't see any of them. So I have to do what I have to do. And you can do that too, which is the point. So, okay. Um, so we'll take a quick break here. And when we come back, we'll divide, dive into the programs that Andy offers at Sushi Chef Institute and uh, we'll sign up for them. So please stay with us. Today's program is brought to you by Corin, a supplier of Japanese chef knives and restaurant supplies. Corin is proud of their Japanese culture and traditions, but they want you to know that their products are not just for Japanese restaurants. Their knives and tableware bring out the best qualities of food from every culture and fit into every restaurant from French to Pan-Asian to American. And that is why they're located in New York City, where people from every country in the world come to eat. Corin's Tribeca showroom is home to the most extensive collection of Japanese chef knives in the world, including Japan. Stop by to view their exquisitely designed tableware and their rarest natural sharpening stones. They have a whole range of knife services from repair and rust removal to reshaping and realigning. Corin is dedicated to this ideal, bringing the highest quality Japanese design to your table so you can experience the unparalleled quality of Japanese craftsmanship in your home or restaurant. For more information, visit Corin.com. I'm Chaba Peribán, co-host of Agave Road Trip on HRN, here to talk about 818 Tequila. 
818 creates their tequila using traditional methods that a family-owned and operate distillery in Jalisco, Mexico. From the blue agave they grow to their recycled glass bottle, 818 emphasizes the Earth's importance in all they do. Their distillery runs on biomass and solar power, which means they don't rely as much on fossil fuels and are able to reduce their carbon footprint. Their labels, corks, and boxes are all certified by the Forest Stewardship Council as coming from sustainability-managed forests. 818 is a proud member of 1% for the Planet, through which they support HRN as well as Sacred, my organization in Jalisco, where together we transform agave byproducts and water waste into adobe bricks that are donated to local infrastructure projects, like a local library in Zapotitlan de Vadillo. Visit drink818.com to learn more about their sustainability efforts and find 818 near you. 818 has been part of so many magical nights for me, and I hope you enjoy it as much as I do. 818 Tequila, imported by 818 Spirits, Manhasset, New York. 40% alcohol by volume, drink responsibly. Welcome back. You're listening to Spun Needs on Heritage Radio Network, uh, or HRN. I'm your host, Akiko Teyama, and my guest today is Andy Mazda, the founder and master chef uh, of Sushi Chef Institute in Los Angeles, California, which he opened in 2002. So, um, right, let's talk about Sushi Chef Institute. So what is your mission at Sushi Chef Institute? My mission, my school mission is we need to produce a great chef to the world. Mm. So very precise and short sentence, but it has a lot packed in there. So how do you do that? <laughs> um, we do have a training as uh, Monday to Friday, eight weeks, eight in the morning to one, uh, one o'clock in the afternoon. So, so only we have a 200 hours and I've become a sushi chef. But everybody said impossible. Sure, possible. But only we can see we teaching is all Japanese fundamental, which making a sushi rice, proper rice, good sushi rice. We're showing to the how to do proper sharpening a knife. We're showing to the how to cut the fish properly. And we do nigiri, yes, and also many special roles. That's only five things we're teaching in a two-month program. We do every single day. But when you go into the Japan and learning or people working at a restaurant learn, Restaurant is our production, not teaching. Because no one give you a big expensive fish to the beginner of the people is. So what you learn, they're making a production for making roll, 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 roll. How about Japan? You have to show them nothing. Don't, uh, but they're watching me or see, never touch the fish, never touch the rice, with someone doing it and to watch them maybe five years, then slightly you taking a step. But just wasting a lot of time to be, we're going to U.S. We have no time for that. When people come in to learn quick, they can own restaurant. A lot of people are graduated, then they started back on to Croatia, Germany, Texas, New York, a lot of places. Uh, they, they see that around them, and rice is not consistency, fish is all frozen, they don't know how to cut fish, their roll is so ugly, 
and they disappointed. And people back to us at one of better places. Now they own restaurant somehow. So, so we see that many uh, success story we have uh, all, all over the world. People has uh, the restaurant one out of two or three. So you can see our graduator. Not all of them, but over 150 restaurants and all over the world. And the many chefs graduated to work in restaurants already. Right. So many chefs are famous now. Mm. So, um, so how many students per class? We have only taken a 10 in oh. the classes. Oh, wow. Small, small classes. Mm. Right. So you get the full attention. And, um, well... Um, here's the thing, like I heard at a uh, big culinary school in Japan, um, I heard uh, Japanese cuisine is not so popular because it's known for taking very conservative um, stance and then students really have to be patient. There's no fast track. So um, practically uh, this generation of all those phones and information you can't realistically expect students to spend 10 years before you actually touch rice and make sushi. Like, um, sure. right, like a zero dream, um, dreams of sushi. So, um, yeah, I really think it's inter interesting. So um, who are your students? Like you mentioned from all over the world, but who, what kind of people are they? Are they a uh, career changer or like young people? Or what kind of people are they? We have uh, probably by 16 years old to probably by 76 years old. But general idea, probably by 25 to around 40 people. We have 20% of women and 80% of men. And about 70% of us are Asian, live in U.S. or sometimes other international. So uh, Japanese people, about less than 5%. That's... Uh, Ability people is are. Mm, right. And how do you become interested in the careers in the sushi business? And uh, what, are, what are their goals? Well, they want a career change it. They used to be our computer engineer to people who are travel agent. A lot of people are different things, but become, they love sushi. They want to become a sushi chef. But someday they want to open a restaurant. Mm. That's the goal. Right. Okay. Um, so maybe, like you mentioned, there's like 150 uh, graduates open their own restaurant. So can you share some success stories of your students? Yes. I have uh, about 20 years, one of the graduators. Um, then now is uh, Napa Valley. They have Michelin uh, Three Star. Other person, lady, came to me about eight years ago. They have a 150, a 115 capacity uh, izakaya restaurant. They have a two already in now. And they have uh, delivery store, and they want to open another one in Madrid. So they're a very success. Javier is another person opened up a big restaurant in Colombia, the biggest one in Colombia. Now they moved to Miami. So many of them are success. Rakan is going back in Saudi Arabia. He worked for the biggest in, uh, Japanese restaurant, uh, ja uh, restaurant is, and worked for the king. So you can see that many uh, success stories are 
we have right. our graduate. So they learned uh, the classic style, authentic sushi making, right? And then how they express uh, their style of sushi? Do they become um, stay authentic or they try to be creative? Or how, what do you see among your students? Well, it's a different story. Um, it's not, I'm thinking in a Japanese way it is because I'm teaching in a fundamental um, skills in here. So they're going back to the, they're um, making a sushi, whatever local fish, local needed. For example, um, my goal, top, or the, one of the goal is uh, Chef Sakai and a French chef in Japan. He grew up in Japan, went to the Paris and uh, France learning and going back in Tokyo and started to a uh, French restaurant. He became a chef using the local ingredients. And, and lo everybody loves the idea of uh, ingredients in the Japanese ingredients and top great and serving a French cooking technique. For me, the same thing, I teach Japanese uh, cooking technique and the people coming from all over the world, they're learning Japanese technique going back to their country, they're using local ingredients and they're serving a Japanese food and sushi and they're wonderful for them to enjoy the food. So same, same. That's how it is. That's uh, authentic or localized, but it's still in the fundamental is our sushi it is. So because tourism, they come into the great, but I think they need to have a more localized it's a local fish, local vegetable, local languages, and local enjoyments. Mm, right. And that reminds me of uh, great Italian restaurants. I heard uh, some Italian chefs go to Japan and then they're surprised how traditionally it's made, but it's completely Japanese style too. So that reminds me of that, um, the same kind of idea. And uh, have you been to some of your graduates' restaurants? Yes, all the time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I have had two, three years ago, I went to uh, Saudi Arabia. Uh, I have a project uh, workshop in a three bigger uh, city in Saudi Arabia. Um, I have a Lacan was helping me to come to uh, teach me the rod. And all students came to the workshop. I'm making a one of the pieces in the Indian sushi serving to, no one said this is not a sushi. So I'm making a California roll and a little bit of sauces and decoration, I said, and everybody happy said, this is our sushi. <laughs> right. So bring it to Japan and Ginza and we're making a California roll and show them this is not a sushi. It's the only the piece of sushi is by Nigiri. That the different culture, different people, different thinking, and totally different world. Mm, which is totally fine, right? Because there's no reason to stay in one tradition. And uh, I think famous chef, um, chef uh, Yoshihiro Murata in Kyoto, uh, he, he has uh, three mission stars, um, Kikunoi, he uh, once said um, tradition needs to evolve, otherwise it will die. And it sounds like you your students, because they're given the basics, they are totally kind of ready to discover something their own way, which is inspiring for the entire sushi industry, including Japan. And 
Um, so remember that my dad, <laughs> he used to say, um, you, you don't eat salmon on sushi. That's fish from the river. You don't eat it. But it's everywhere. <laughs> and it's really, I, I think eventually my dad started eating it too. So a delicious thing is delicious and why not, right? So the California rolls, there's a point, I think Japanese restaurants in Japan tend to study to serve a lot of them too. So I think we all should be open-minded and enjoy whatever people invent. And I think you are the cheerleader of those inventions. Well, we can see in a history behind it. I'm reading a song in the back and a history, a book and uh Nobunaga and Iyasu, those many uh, books so far. And you can see the Hanaya Yohe, the one of the person, uh, grabbed the boxes with the rice and some of the fishes marinated on the shoulder and bring it around, running around to the busy Tokyo, Edo century, making a quick sushi, Haya sushi. That one was probably around uh, 400 years ago not become an honest street in a vendor, like a stand type of a sushi, probably 250 years ago and everywhere. Now become a sushi. It's now thinking of Tsukiji to Toyosu market, sushi in Ginza. This is only the sushi and Jiro-san, Sukiyabashi. Well, in the time in the change, it is not one year, two years, 50 years. Think about in a term of about 200 years, 300 years, 400 years, it's have been changed. So we talk about a sushi is even a kanji, uh, not a sushi is a kanji different than sushi. Now become umai, sakana, is going to be uh, sushi coming to the Edo century in different kanjis. Now coming to very special occasion is now a sushi in a different kanji. Now, English, sushi coming to international. So ages to the ages, there were all differences. So people become Saudi Arabia, are they are not sushi? No, they believe they're sushi now. That's a great point. Yeah, looking back at history, it was only 400 years ago. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> right. Okay. And uh, by the way, have you seen any changes in your students' demographics since you opened the school in 2002? Um, there are changing is slightly, but it's just uh, always uh, people love everywhere in the world. So it should be a uh, big change is, uh, well, we have more busy. So what can I say? As, uh, Many changes slightly. That's only I can say. Yeah. Right. But probably you see more students, I guess. <laughs> yeah, still in the 20% of women and the men are looking for more sushi industry. And people coming from all over the world. I have about 35 different countries. So this is a population as in more Europe, as a more booming, as more uh, South America size, as more booming. And United States is our, it's a U, U.S. and New York and LA at a big, but it's a central area and empty. So still become right now, there's a booming income into, it is. So sushi booming, sushi industry, we just begin. So if we have to have a next 100 years, it's going to be big, big and stronger. 
Right. So, um, so are there any sushi schools in Europe, by the way? No, mm. none. Right, because I've never heard. So that's why uh, people from Europe come all the way. And uh, I mean, for Asian um, students, maybe they have a choice to go to Japan, maybe. But <laughs> here for Europeans, probably um, your place is a really, uh, good place to fly and stay in an experience. So, but, um, so what, what are the biggest challenges for your students in your program? Patient. <laughs> okay. <laughs> mm, maybe me too. Um, <laughs> so what kind of, like, they, they want to learn quick? Well, it is a totally different culture, people. It's never had sushi, never touched the knife. They're never cooking. So as many people are never been to the kitchen, especially a professional kitchen. So their question they want to try to do is very different than uh, rethinking. So we have to be, uh, be patient to the dealing with the people, how they grab the knife, how they touch the vegetable and the fish, uh, wash your hands, uh, not one time, not 20 times, not 40 times. We have to keep in, tell them every single day to give you a direction, step by step, step by step. Uh, most of the chef and Japanese chef, they don't say yelling, kicking, and punching, and they never say it again. So, but we have to do everything single day teaching again repeat share mm. I'm not the teaching anymore um, I do share what I know because the people said oh this is not this is not because the sushi skills is our or education is not one way because it's not professional one method in Japan it's all different in uh, Tokyo Osaka whatever the differences so it's not one method to do teaching so um, people thinking in Japan a professional persons are, looks like you had everything, but they don't want to share with anything. So that's difficult. But uh, I have knowledge I have is many of my senpai, elder, a chef, taught me. So I have teaching, no, not teaching. I do share with my students, people need it. So I'm gonna just do passenger, not chef anymore. I don't do produce the food, I do produce humans. Mm, right. Yeah, and that lesson uh, is the biggest one for you to stay in students' mind and in their daily lives and running their own <laughs> restaurants. Right. Yeah, and for example, uh, you have a big, um, a program to teach uh, the cleanliness and all those essential part of sushi restaurant. And people say the sushi restaurant cleaning is the most important part. And that's what mm -hmm. I heard. So something like that, people may not expect at the beginning, but that's really the essential uh, thing you should learn to support your business as sustainable business ongoing concern. So, okay. And uh, so what's the level of demand for sushi chefs in the global market right now? 
Hmm. Uh, it's still growing. I talk about the same one. It's uh, Europe is growing. And then also South America size is growing. And U.S. is uh, Central Asia is still growing. So we have many demand that should be. Mm, right. And I'm also curious, you know, that it's not just sushi restaurant chefs, but a lot of Western chefs I see wants to learn the basics of sushi to incorporate some elements into their non-sushi restaurant. Is that something you started to see more? Well, the things I have working for Hold on America Cruise Line since 2015. So now I'm going to become an accountant council. So we're uh, serving and food in, in a cruise line. So that's the big things. They're serving a, uh, seafoods and steak and then another. But uh, now all cruise, exotic and restaurant and fancy hotels, they need to have a sushi. Looks like a Nobu, Morimoto, Katsuya, same thing. The rich people, they want to be more healthy. There's no more meat, no more fat. There's more something in a healthy diet to be keeping healthy as their condition as possible. So it should be uh, people needed to, French chef is not a butter, butter, butter to, it's more vegetables to more uh, seafood they're using, and carpaccios and the salads and the stuff. Mm. So they need us to do more, share the knowledge for them. Right. So very important to do us to share what we have because the seafood industry is the last thousand years in Japan. Uh, like we're learning and after 150 years ago, we're learning from our pork and beef and chicken for eating purpose. So now we have to share with them for about the seafoods. Right. And also, um, I mean, the basics of cutting, how to treat sushi, how to cut sushi, how to remove blood, all those basic things are very, very useful for cooking in general, right? So it's a very respectful act for seafood, how it should be treated. And uh, yeah, for the purposes, I think it's really important to, um, to learn about fish because a sushi is not just making bowl rice and put the sashimi on top. So yeah, I think my guess is your school is teaching just beyond, far beyond sushi. Yes. The thing is, uh, the chef point, it's not regular people are never thinking in this way. About a chef point, you can buy the restaurant people buy in a beef, chicken, and then pork. They're already farmed and already prepared. But buying a seafood, we don't know where they come from, how fat it is, how big it is, how they treat them and how they fillet because the species of them from ocean, the thousand. But you buying a beef and pork and chicken are always same condition. So that's the big differences. So we have the knowledge of uh, so many different types of fish, how they fillet it, how long we can keep, how they store, how they do cut it and how they cook it, how they sear them, how they marinate it, and how they serve it. Mm. That's a big difference than a sushi industry and other a chef. 
It's kind of uh, you have to follow the nature. You learn how to um, not dictate the nature, but to follow the nature by treating fish. Well, it's the seafood has season, and the pork beef chickens are no season. Farm days in 24 hour they can deliver. But our nature is dealing with the season. So it's very need to know it's when it has to be eaten, how the treat, how fat it is, how anidation is. It's very, very detailed. Those one you can learn in two weeks. It's very, very neat to be known as for experience. That's why they need to spend another five, six years to the rice, vegetable, and seafood. That's understandable. But the fundamental is our whole same. So that's why I'm teaching. It's not all that typ typical uh, fish it is. I teach in all fundamental understanding of rice, knife, cutting technique, and nigiri, and a roll. Right. I'm just curious, are there any people who just want to upgrade their home cook skills? Is this too serious to sign up? It does. Some people are out of fun to come and learning and for our family members' purpose. So that's fine too. So a little bit different approach I can do because I ask them, people come in, what's the purpose for you coming and what's the goal? Some people say that fun for my family members or some people, I need a job or people do, I want to open a restaurant. So it's just that each person different. So I will fit what they need because we work together in the two months. So always what they need. So I don't pressure sometimes, but uh, I'm comfortable with working and enjoying my class. So. Right. Okay. Well, 10 people class sounds like they're going to make lifetime friends too. So, <laughs> <laughs> right. And uh, so this is kind of my key question. I've been always thinking about sushi. So what do you think is the essence of sushi that appeals to people all over the world? Uh, sushi is a trendy, very unique, and very different as sushi chef and other chefs are. Chef is are right in front of you, so you can see the whole details, what he does. So that's a big difference. We are not eating in a menu. We're chef making by in front of you, and a very unique technique, and a serving, and a fresh, and a print in the mouth. Is totally different. It's such a so small, one inches item of fish is making a very happy, nest and healthy and clean, super clean, in your mouth. So that's the big difference than in other a restaurant business. Mm, right. Yeah, when I'm in Japan, I, I love passing in front of sushi restaurant because the smell is very sweet and flowery and clean. And uh, I like that feeling of special culture of sushi. So, yeah. And uh, so uh, if our listeners want to uh, check out what your programs are, where can we find uh, the details? Our program is our, you can find it by website or you can see the Instagrams and the Facebook and the social network. We're very strong for Instagram for 75,000. So Facebook is about 38,000 and my personal uh, Facebook is already 5,000 friends. So it's pretty, a pretty good number. So we 
extra lighting to send out an all message and a posting almost every week, every day, sometime. So you can reach us anytime. Okay, so what's the the Sosushi Chef Institute? Is that that's a website? W, mm-hmm. Right, www.sushischool.net. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's Sushi Chef Institute for uh, Instagram. Okay, right, sure. and you have a lots of uh, um, interviews of great graduates too, and I really enjoy reading those too <laughs> on your <laughs> website. So, okay, and uh, so what are your plans and dreams? Are you opening a school in somewhere else, or what, what's your dream, uh, dreams or plans? Uh, my big dream right now is uh, I have training, or I'm taking a classes, a T classes. And since 2014, so I'd like to learn more about tea and ceremony. Mm. Very interesting story. So I like to do support the the person in New York and doing tea ceremony things. At the same time, their connection to the Japan. So I'm our tea ceremony section to grow because same time tea ceremony is serving an achakaiseki in a Japanese old school a cooking technique so I like to learn more about it too so and also there are many support our uh, school and our sponsor for the sake ingredients and rice uh, Things so we do support them to to grow our industry. Mm. We do dealing with uh, seafood, bluefin to kampachi and salmon. It's many. So I'm not a school grow and a bigger, uh, more extended. No, my capacity is limited. So I don't do bigger associate school but I like to have my network to support mm. farming, sustainability to support fishermen, second industry, rice industries, seaweed industry, green tea industry people to, to support to Japanese food is grow. Mm. And people need it to be peaceful and healthy, and body condition we able to support. Right. Well, I keep hearing from Japanese chefs of one area. They eventually get to tea ceremony or uh, the serving vessels and also cultural connection they start to discover in their own food. So it sounds like it's a natural transition for everybody in the food business. Um, Probably not just in Japan, but um, there's a deep connection historically, traditionally, and spiritually. So, yeah, I'm curious, what's the what's in common between tea ceremony and sushi for you? Uh, tea ceremony is um, has everything. You have their garden cream. You have nature to see. And now you come to the food. You can see all traditional food you're serving. And... We have to do incense. They have a smell comes in. You can see the calligraphies in the writing. 
And then Tidu is very Japanese, very quiet and calm. It's very important to do different world because uh, my schedule daily basis is busy, 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 moving, 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 time to time. But when you come into the Tidu, quiet, the sound of uh, breathing in the water, you hear the birds singing. So very different is mental health. You work in a daily basis, not going to be mental because the stress is the stress is so bad. But you need to have a breakdown, the time to bring back in more nature and human life. You're thinking to yourself to slow down the, your mind to be more peaceful. Mm. It's very, very needed. So sushi is our part of the sushi, it is, but it's all coming from nature. So you to speak, we are not seafood of uh, item is not making nature and make, not making the factories. Everything is in nature. Sustainability, it is very important. Right. Okay, I'm glad that question. <laughs> I really have to think <laughs> about that myself to have that moment to pull myself down to the ground and uh, be a part of nature again. Okay, so. Uh, where can we find your updates online on social media? You said that uh, you are very active on uh, the Instagram. And so what's your handle? Yeah, Andy Matsuda and Sushi School, uh, Sushi Chef Institute, two of them. Okay, great. All right, so mm -hmm. thank you so much. And uh, well, keep me posted. I think what you're doing is very precious. So uh, <laughs> yeah, so hope to see you in person. Uh, in LA or here in New York. So thank you so much for joining us today, Andy. Thanks so much. Thank you for having me. All right. So listeners, if you have any questions or comments about the show or suggestions for show topics to our guests, please contact us at chapanits at heritagevideonetwork.org or kikotema.com. Chapanits is a weekly program and always available at Heritage Video Network as well as on iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify as a podcast. And I'm Janice Amnes Benjamin, and thank you for listening. I will see you next week. Japan Needs is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. Keep in touch at heritageradionetwork.org slash subscribe.